0: Good morning. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12 to 14. Um, If you've been with us over uh, recent weeks and months, you know we've been tracking on this series uh, in Corinthians 12 to 14, really asking ourselves, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes and takes hold of his people was it look like for God's people to be filled again with the Holy Spirit and to walk in the good of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And we've been tracking through um, uh, 12 and 13, and Paul is really writing in, in this section um, about how the body functions, how, how the family of God functions, particularly with, with, what does it look like for gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts given by God for the building up of his church and for the glory of Jesus to be unlocked and fueled, and what does it look like for us to belong together? We've been tracking here since uh, kind of October, November, we've gone right through Corinthians 12, uh, we've gone through Corinthians 13, this famous passage about love, and Kazanzi. Ziki did an amazing job of unpacking the whole topic of love, but it's 1 Corinthians 13 is not about weddings, it's about the body of Christ and about how we use spiritual gifts together um, to serve one another and to build one another up. And now we're really into Corinthians 14, um, which is where Paul is instructing the gathered church about how to particularly use two gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues or speaking in other languages. And Nigel kind of very quickly last week, talked a little bit about what tongues is and how that works, and the fact that it's about edifying to God. It builds up us to God. It's us speaking to God. And in the context of a gathered body, we bring a tongue, but there's also an interpretation so that the body can be built up. And Paul is writing in a context here where, where gifts are being used quite chaotically. What They're using gifts for their own gain, and they're, kind of, they're they're saying this gift's better than this gift, and that person's better than that person. And they're, they're doing it out of rivalry, um, a sense of, like, competing with one another, um, and there's kind of chaos in the church meetings, because kind of everyone's trying to prophesy at the same time, and everyone's trying to speak in tongues, at the same time Paul goes, hold on a minute, this is not doing you good, and I want to teach you how to use these gifts, particularly prophecy and tongues, so that the body is built up, and those among you who don't yet know Jesus will come to salvation. That's what Paul's writing about. He says, primarily, the gift of prophecy in tongues, the way that it to function, is actually for the edification, the building up of the church. But actually, prophecy should also be assigned to those who don't yet know Jesus and should disclose the secrets of their hearts. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, God wants to speak to you this morning. and He wants to reveal himself to you. That's what the prophetic does. It brings life um, to both those who know Jesus, but also those who don't. So today, I'm going to be um, really in verses 1 to 5. I'm talking about, um, what is prophecy? Um, what does it look like in the local church? How do we handle it? Um, some of you may have even, as I say the word prophecy, you think, what even is that? You've never really heard it talked about much in the context. Maybe you're, you're new to faith or your church background, you haven't, it hasn't been talked about very much. And actually, I want you to tune in this morning. And my expectation, my belief is this, that God's going to speak to some of you through his divine revelation as I'm talking. And when we respond shortly, God's going to have brought some things. I, I already hear Carla brought a prophetic word about about people walking in freedom. But I believe, and my expectation, and my prayer, and we're going to pray for this right now, is that as I speak about the gift of prophecy and about prophesying, some of you will hear the voice of God for the good of this believers, for the good of this body. And actually, as I'm sharing, you're going to, God's going to give you some things, which as we respond, you're going to bring for the good of this body. So can I just ask us to have a sense of expectation? And faith, as this is not just about listening exercise, actually, my, my primary um, heart this morning is that we wouldn't just hear about prophecy, but we'd be a people who prophesy. Activation is what God is doing among us at this time. So can I just ask you just to steal your hearts before God? Um, some of you, I believe, are going to prophesy who have never done it publicly before. And that's not to put a pressure or an expectation, I just believe it. I believe God says, I want, I'm, I'm going to put, I'm gonna, you're going to hear the divine revelation of God this morning. Some of you who already prophesied much more regularly in the life of this church, you're going to get things, and we're going, to, we're going to just bring them at the end, and it's going to bring life to the body. But I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, why don't you just open up your heart to God right now? He's a speaking God. John 10 tells us that, he says, my sheep know my voice. I ask, Holy Spirit, would you come right now and reveal yourself to us again? I loosen and I, I release prophecy over this community that will bring life to this family, in the name of Jesus. Lord, i activate dormant gifts of prophecy this morning. Some of you, you said, I, I used to prophesy, and God says, no, today your voice will be heard again. Some of you, you've never prophesied, and God's going to start to drop things in your mind. You go, where does that come from? Trust that that's the voice of the Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray for a sense of faith and expectation in this room, Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Okay, would you just be open to God and to him speaking to you as I share? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love. I'm reading from the ESV. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. No one understands him, but he he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you to all speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Pursue love, Paul says. He's he's concluding here, chapter 13, and he says, before he starts talking about prophecy in tongues, he says, pursue love. You can't pursue and easily desire spiritual gifts in the absence of love. It's a car crash. It's dangerous. Pursue love above all else. Pursue love for Jesus and love for your neighbor and love for another above everything else. The goal of this life is to know Christ and to enjoy Him. And therefore, 101, before He starts talking about how to use the gift of prophecy in the life of the church, pursue love. Pursue Jesus. Love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Love one another as Christ has loved you and given himself unto you, so we get to love that for one another. And earnestly, Paul says, desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Paul is, Paul is using here, he says earnestly desire. It means to be zealous for, to be eager for, to be hungry for, to go after. Or he's saying, I want you to to desire these really badly. I want you to want these really badly. Do you? Is the posture of your heart this morning one of eager desire for the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that the church is edified and that unbelievers in the room Come to know Jesus Christ, especially that you may prophesy. Does that describe the state of your heart this morning, that you're earnestly desiring and running after the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy? And Paul isn't writing here, earnestly desire it if you feel like it. Earnestly desire it if you're that way inclined. Earnestly desire it if you're the sort of person who hears from God. No, this is a command to followers of Jesus to earnestly desire. Does that describe the position of your heart this morning, one of earnest desire of spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy? And there may be a number of reasons why you think currently it doesn't feel like my my pursuit of spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, is particularly eager or earnest. And I just want to unpack very quickly three that I feel apply to us, and there may be lots of other reasons, but just three that I think broadly cover a sense of where we are. One is this, maybe you've don't really understand prophecy or spiritual gifts, in which case you need to tune in this morning and hear what God is saying and hear what the Bible has to say about prophecy, and you'll learn and you'll start to understand what God has for his people. So that's number one. Maybe you just, you just never really heard it talked about before, and that's okay. And God says, oh, I want you to listen and tune in this morning. The second reason might be this you're lazy, you're lazy in your pursuit of Jesus and your desire of spiritual gifts. And 1 Thessalonians says this, it says, admonish those who are lazy. As if you're lazy this morning, in your walk with Jesus, or in your pursuit of spiritual gifts, when we respond, you might need to get before him and say, God, I'm so sorry for being lazy, and half-hearted, and tepid in my pursuit of you, and my pursuit of spiritual gifts. I say that with love, you guys know how I love you, and I, 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 I love this community, but some of you, are lazy in your walk with Jesus and you hear a word of warning this morning that God says, come on, run after me again. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that of prophecy. It's one of those tumbleweed moments. (laughs) The third reason might be that you're very suspicious of the gift of prophecy, particularly. Maybe you've heard it You've seen it used or modelled badly in your context. Maybe you've had words of prophecy in your life that didn't really bring life or edify you. Actually, they, they tore you down. And, and you think, well, therefore, I'm going I'm to park that gift of prophecy because I think it's a dangerous gift. I'm suspicious of it. But you need to understand the context that Paul is writing in here in Corinthians 40. He's writing to a church that is not exactly using the gift of prophecy very well. But nowhere in his letter does he tell them to back off. Nowhere in his letter does he say, do you know what, guys, you're not very good at this, so maybe we should just abandon the gift of prophecy. No, he says, earnestly desire the gift of prophecy and use it wisely with maturity. So the solution to poor use of prophecy is not to abandon it, it's to to grow in proper use of the gift of prophecy and proper use of prophesying. The solution to misuse is not disuse, but proper use. The solution to misuse is not disuse. Oh, throw that one out, Paul says. No, earnestly desire the gift of prophecy, earnestly desire it, eagerly fight after it, run after it. It's never abandoned, it's never, hey guys, you're just a bit too, you know, you just need to call it a bit. No, earnestly run after and desire it. Let me get into verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So we see here primarily the gift of tongues is for a, is a speaking of man to God, as Nigel was sharing last week. And then we get into verse 3, on the other hand, on the contrary, the one who prophesies speaks to people. So now we get to have a clue of what is Prophecy. And the best definition that I can come up with or have read about this week is this it's prophecy is the supernatural revelation or message from God to people through people prophecy is the supernatural revelation or message from God to people through other people so let's just unpack that a moment it's supernatural prophecy is not human wisdom or human insight or human intellect into a situation. It's divine revelation from a loving father who sees all things and he speaks into a situation. It's divine. It's never it's not just come from it doesn't come from a human, it comes from divine. It's supernatural in its origin. And I just want to say this very clearly, even whether or not you prophesy, whether you think you've got the gift of prophecy, John ten says this, My sheep know my voice. So we're all to expect to hear the voice of God in our lives. How do you hear the voice of God? Well, primarily get into this book. This is how you hear the voice of the shepherd, his, through his revealed word of God. It's the privilege of every follower of Jesus to hear his voice. It's the privilege of every follower of Jesus. You want to hear his voice? Open this book and let God speak to you. But prophecy is this, it's the revelation of God, and it's always spoken to people through others. So it's spoken out, it's communicated, it's the message of God, not held in, going, well, God said something, so I better hold that for myself. No, it's communicated out. What kind of message might it be? Well, it could be a range of things, but it's going to be from here. God might reveal something of a particular passage of Scripture that brings life into somebody, a particular season of life. Last week, um, June Davis, she brought um, Psalm 131 in the context of our worship service. Um, And as she brought it, Psalm 131 talks about like a... Like a child weaned to its mother, so my soul is quietened and stilled before the Lord. As she brought that, I really felt like God said, that people need to respond to that. That's a prophetic word from Scripture for the good of the body. And we called people to the front, and we said, if that's you, would you come? And we're going to pray for you that you would know your soul to be quietened and stilled before the Lord. So God will reveal himself, divine revelation from Scripture for a particular circumstance. Do you know, The prophetic is also it's a word of warning. It's a conviction of sin sometimes. It's the impartation of gifts. It's about a revelation that maybe God wants to heal someone of something particular. It might be guidance in a particular area of decision-making. Do I go for this job? Do I not? Do I move here? Do I not? The prophetic comes and it breathes. Now, we have to weigh it as we'll come across a bit later. But it's this revelation of God to the body of Christ. What for? Well, we see that in verse 3b. For their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. What a wonderful group of phrases the Apostle Paul is using here. Let's just let's just like unpick them a little bit. Firstly, he says prophecy is for upbuilding. He's joining here two Greek words, which are basically mean building a house. That's effectively what he means. He says that the prophetic is like building a house, it's like constructing but not a physical house, but someone's spiritual house. Uh, You're building them up in their faith and their knowledge of Jesus Christ. You're building them up in their Christ-likeness. So the prophetic is not a tearing down, it's a building up. We are in the construction business, church. We are not in the destruction business. We are in the construction business of building one another other, brick by brick by brick by brick until we reach full maturity in Christ. And prophecy and prophesying does that. It has the effect of building up other believers in Christ. Always upbuilding. The second thing that Paul says, he says the, the prophetic or prophecy is in, brings encouragement. It's that voice of the, of the Lord saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Keep going, God is with you. But this word that Paul uses here um, in, in the Greek, it doesn't just mean encouragement, it also means exhortation. An admonishment, i.e., a word of warning, or a, or a challenge, or an urge to do something. So when we when we have the prophetic working among us, we will expect encouragement. But encouragement in the Christian faith does look like admonishment. It does look like this way. God is saying this for your area of life. This is not a good way to live, and He wants to bring you to a place of repentance and change. The prophetic is incredibly challenging. Let me give you an example of this uh, about. 12 years ago, I remember Steve Oliver coming, who leads our family of churches, regions beyond, across the world. He, he came and he, at the end of a service, he brought this word about uh, an area of deep-rooted sin. He, said, he said, said, there's someone here who has this deep-rooted sin in their life, and God wants to root it out today. And in that moment, I knew it was for me, and I responded to the front, and I wept like a baby, and I spoke to somebody, and freedom came in that moment. But boy, was it challenging. Boy, was it challenging, but definitely was it the voice of the Lord wanting to bring freedom into my life? Yes. It encouraged me, but through admonishment. It's the same thing. Actually, we grow through challenge and provocation, and the prophetic will challenge to the core as well. It will admonish, it will exhort, it will say, Come on, people, not this way, but this way. Come on, don't live like that, live like this. So it actually brings challenge. And that's healthy in a Christian life. Discipleship, we sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron. And whilst admonishment, hey, who likes to be admonished? Nobody, as far as I've ever found out. Actually, it's healthy for us, and it brings life. And it shapes us, and it sharpens us. I know that I would not be, um, I would not be as mature as I am. I'm, I've got a lot of grade to do. Don't hear that in the wrong way. Had it not been for the sharpening of brothers and sisters over many years, and the input of many people sharpening me, speaking truth into me, encouraging me, admonishing me, challenging me, saying, don't let's like live this way. And thirdly, Paul says here, on the other hand, people, this prophecy speaks to people for their consolation. This word is, is, is it's about comforting. It's about strengthening. It's like the alongside with the arm around the shoulder saying, in, in a tough season of life, God wants you to know he's your comforter and he's your provider. It's like a consoling effect to so a bit like I think what June Davis's word was doing last week, it was bringing consolation and comfort to those who were feeling, and Julian brought something about being in the valley. It's that sense of the prophetic comes and it consoles and it comforts. But you see in all of this, as Paul goes on to say, he says, the one who prophesies builds up the church. So it's edifying, it's building, it's a building gift. I mean, who wouldn't want to prophesy to people for upbuilding, encouragement and consolation? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want God to say, hey, I'm going to, prof- I'm going to use you to speak truth to other people? Who would to console them, to upbuild, to, to encourage, to edify? And this gift, it doesn't say it's for people who are who have that kind of personality or are that way inclined. No, young, old, new to faith, been Christian a long time. Whatever your background of faith is, men and women, young and old, he says, I want to, I want to impart, I want to speak to you divine revelation for the good of this family. And the main point is this: that prophecy is for the edification of the church, and it has a secondary effect, as we're going to see next week. In talks about in verse uh, thirty and that kind of verse there, it talks about actually it's for a sign for the unbeliever as well. But primarily and firstly, Paul talks about it in the context it edifies the church. How can we make sure then that prophecy is edifying and building up? Because the Bible makes it very clear that we see in part and we prophesy in part. Therefore, the prophetic is not equal to Scripture, the revealed infallible word of God. Therefore, prophecy may not always be right. We see in part and we prophesy in part. Therefore, Thessalonians tells us, test the prophetic and hold on to what is good. So we are called to test prophecy and to test those who are prophesying in our own lives and in the life of a church as well. And whilst there's many ways that we can test prophecy. Um, I came up with uh, three very easy ways. Um, ABC, so if you um, know the Jackson 5, it's as simple as ABC, one, two, three. Very, very easy. Oh, I thought I'd get a laugh. Anyway, never mind. I'll move, I'll, I'll move on. I'm less funny than I think I am. Even my kids say I'm not funny now. So three simple guidelines. There are more, but let me just say, that I think there are, very, there are three very simple ABC. Prophecy always aligns to Scripture. God cannot contradict Himself. It's impossible. We may not necessarily hear or interpret or apply prophecy right, but, but God cannot contradict Himself. Therefore, the prophetic will align to Scripture. And if you'll receive a word from God, how do you know it's a to of scripture unless you've read this book? Unless you're actually devouring the word of God and going, is oh, this a line of scripture? Well, I've never opened the Bible, so how would I know? Actually, get into the word of God and then as God speaks to you through divine revelation, you'll be able to test it and say, does this align to his already revealed word? Secondly, or B, I should say, B, it brings life. In that very famous uh, uh, story in Ezekiel 37, um, God says to Ezekiel, prophesy, son of man, that these bones may live. So the prophetic, it brings life, as I've already talked about. It can be challenging, but it always brings life. Let me tell you a very simple story. Some of you may have heard it. John, John Wimber, who founded the network of vineyard churches, um, he tells a very famous story about how he was on an um, aeroplane. He had, he had a real prophetic anointing. And as he looked over the aisle, he saw the word, adultery written on somebody's forehead. Um, and, and he's like, not sure what to do with that. And then he, he felt like God gave him the name of the person who this person was ha- having an affair with. And this guy looks at him and says, what are you looking at? And he said to him, does this name mean anything to you? And this guy's face just dropped, a hot, like horror horror moment for him as his sin is exposed before him. And he says, I think we need to talk. And so they go off to the, to the lounge of the plane and he says, this is what I feel God said to me. And he says, that's exactly what's been happening in my life. And there and then John Wimber leads him to repentance and salvation in Jesus Christ. And they then go back to, to, the, to where his wife is sitting. They tell them the whole story and that man leads his wife to Christ in that moment. The prophetic is incredibly challenging, but it always brings life. And in that moment, that person was brought to life in Jesus Christ through the prophetic being unlocked. It always brings life. It doesn't make it easy, but it always brings life. A prophesy, O son of man, that these bones may live, Ezekiel 37 tells us. And thirdly, or C, community. The prophetic is a team game. It operates in the context of a family, in the context of a community. It's not a hidden thing. So if therefore on a Sunday morning you feel like God is speaking to you, we weigh it together and then we bring it to the body. If you feel like you've got something for somebody else, I'd encourage you, go and take someone else with you and weigh it together. It's not kind of like, hey, just let me come to the corner. Is is this for you? There might be moments where you don't want to expose someone publicly, but actually you then you then get others around. It's a community activity. It's a team sport. It's not hidden, it's not isolated, it's not cut off from community. And actually, where the prophetic operates outside of community, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. It needs to operate in the context of a local church family in a community where we can submit to one another. And actually, if you get a prophetic word and you don't know what to do with it, the first thing you should do is go to others that you're in community with and say, I've received this, I'm not quite sure. Can we weigh that together? Can we test it? Can you pray for me? Are there others who have prophetic words who could speak in and start to bring the, bring the shape of it? I want to, I want to that it's, it's community activity. It aligns to scripture, it brings life. It's in the context of community. There are more, of course, um, that's not, it's oversimplistic. but I just think for the purposes of this morning, you need to understand if we get hold of these and we'll understand broadly how the prophetic is to function in the life of a local church. And then verse 5, this is where Paul starts to get into the activation. Paul does not want us to go, oh, I know a bit about prophecy, and then walk out the door and, and be unchanged. He says this, now I want you all to speak in tongues. He loves the gift of tongues, by the way, but even more to prophesy. He's using the verb here. He's saying, let's activate this. It's not, good. It's not just a case of saying, let's tell you a bit about prophecy and let's leave it there. Let's, let, let's understand about prophecy, and let's activate it among the body of believers. Let's, let's use it. Let's, let's, let's grow in it. Let's activate it. Let's prophesy over one another. Let's release the gift of prophecy among this community. And so Paul is in the business of activation. And that's really how I want to land this morning, and how I want us to respond, is to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so we're going to activate this morning prophecy and prophesying and so I'd really love us just to um to respond if you're happy if you're able to stand um and just if the band could just come up is that right I want us to respond if you're happy to stand that would be brilliant I want us to respond and to eagerly desire and to ask of him this morning especially that we might prophesy and for some of you, even as I've been talking, God's been giving you things. And just love you just to come and share that with Jules and Sarah or, or Colin at the front here. If you feel like God has been speaking to you through as I've, been, as I've been speaking. But really what I just want to do as a way of responding this morning is I just want to encourage us to be those who eagerly desire. If this morning you say, do you know what? I want to eagerly desire the gifts, especially that of prophecy. I want to encourage you just to hold your hands out now. Maybe it's been dormant for many years, and you say, I used to prophesy a bit, but you know, that was a long time ago. No, God says, right now, I'm in the business of reactivating. The Bible says to eagerly desire and to ask of Him. He's a loving father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And as God starts to speak to us, as you eagerly desire. As you ask of Him, we're to believe that He's going to start bringing revelation for the good of others, and we don't have to make it up. We don't have to force it. This is not some competition of like, oh yeah, look, God gave me something in this moment. It's never a forced activity. Is we respond if and as God speaks to us in a moment. But I pray across this family right now, in the name of Jesus, would you release this gift? prophecy and a, a, we would be a prophesying people I pray for those who have their hands held up right now Lord we want to activate and we want to eagerly desire prophecy in this church and prophesying in this church Lord that it might bring life to this body that it might be a sign to unbelievers come Holy Spirit right now would you start to speak to us either for the good of the, the collective or for individuals in this room Least right now, Holy Spirit, prophesying people. We would be a prophesying people